and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond. And I'm Rachel Burford. And we have yet another bumper show for you today. We've entitled it an episode of Champions because we've got double Grand Sam winning Sarah Beckett on the show. We've got Kendra Coxage, fresh from her fourth successive title in the Farah Palmer Cup. And we also have the other side of the coin, but no less a champion in her own right. But Seni Napu joins us with the disappointment of Ireland's games being cancelled over the weekend. But first up, Rach, Berth, Rachel. Jen, Johnny, you all right? <laughs> Miss Burford, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Johnny. How about yourself? Yeah, we're all right, thank you. You've been causing a bit of a bit of a storm on Twitter. Yeah, I did. Not not intentionally, but um, yeah, the amount of impressions that those my tweets got was um, quite remarkable. Um, yeah, I just I got quite infuriated last weekend when obviously England were crowned champions with a game in hand a week early due to Scotland drawing against France, and Sky Sports had put a post out on their social media channels and. It was just the comments below were just so ridiculous and it annoyed me because it was but I'm all about people having constructive criticism, a difference of opinion based on, you know, ability and skill and technical and tactical, you know, actual constructive stuff, not just, well, nobody cares because they're women, who cares? We didn't art like just really like rude, disrespectful comments that, and it's just totally uneducated, and it just really infuriated me because the Six Nations is one of the globally known as one of the best tournaments, rugby tournaments, and for it to be belittled like that for no other reason than the fact that they're female, it just really annoyed me, and I just thought, Do you know what, I'm going to say something, and and so many people reached out and was like, you know. Don't worry about them, ignore them. And it, it's not so much that I am engaging with them, it's more the fact I'm just letting them know that we're not going anywhere and that actually women's sport is just going to get bigger. So you either scroll on past or you support, end of. Yeah, I, I, and that's kind of the, the thing for me is if you don't like it, you're not going to educate yourself to, to watch it. I mean, I, I watched it. Uh, and the men's game over the weekend with with, with my two boys and you know, from an eleven year old, oh daddy, this is much better rugby on the Sunday than played on the Saturday. Now, you know he's eleven and he's educating himself. But if you don't like it, that's fine. Just move on. But social media seems to be this place where your know, keyboard warriors are, are quite happy to say stuff that. You know, uh, you wouldn't say to anybody in the street to their face. And actually, that's that's no excuse to, to write these things down. Um, I'm with you. I'm totally with you with the levels of frustration. Um, I know we're making small steps. And we've started this show on a real negative, And yet we're you know, England are, are double Grand Slam champions. But it is one hell of an achievement. One hell of an achievement. What, you know, whatever the opposition and to do it back to back yeah if if the england men had done it back to back my goodness it'd be front and center on every newspaper and yet hardly any newspapers or or news outlets pick it up it, it it's lip service from from most people and that's that's what annoys me from from within inside the game inside the broadcast world it is it's a lot of lip service but yes be kind people we're in the middle of a global pandemic um, if you don't like something that's fine no problem with your opinion just move on, because otherwise, birth's coming for you. 
<laughs> Simple as that. And do you know what? Get on a rugby field. Let yourself. Let Poppy Cleo. Let Sarah Beckett. Marty Packer. Whatever. Tackle them. And, and then we'll see um, how how big and tough they are. Um, how about that? So if you if you fancy uh, denigrating women's rugby, give us a shout. Get some kit on, and we'll we'll go and have a little training session. No problem at all. Anyway, uh, you bounced back, Berth, and did uh, some good stuff on Sunday at your old club. I was contacted by the Medway's girls manager saying that oh we've we've got a bit of an in-house touch tournament and our mums need our mums team need another player. So I graduated to the mums squad. Um, oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got two um, fur anyway. babies. Yeah, true, true. They did come as well. So, um, but it was just amazing. Like we had two pitches, like full size pitches, broken into two lots, three lots of teams on each. So, twelve teams all together uh, playing a, a little round robin against one another, and then we had a bit of a big game, mums versus um, daughters at the end. Um, and it was just amazing. It was so good to see, you know, 20 years ago where my career started there, or, or way more than that. Um, 35. And to see, like, then <laughs> it was such a strong girl squad there. And um, over a bit of time, it disappeared. And now it's just so, like, going from strength to strength, so many numbers. They've got 60-plus girls there. Um, and it was just really wonderful to see. And, and joining in was really good fun, running around with the players, Um it was just nice being back out on the pitch that I haven't been out on for so long. They tried to get my mum to play and she was a flat no because um, obviously she used to play. So it would be great to have her out there. But it was just really good fun um, and reminded me again about grassroots and how important it is to for clubs to be up and running and having sport going for, for their players. And it was just amazing how the organisation and the buy-in and the support. Yeah, and that's that's the thing to, to you keyboard warriors or whatever. You look at participation graphic for men's rugby in the United Kingdom and Ireland, and you look at the participation graphic for women's rugby and girls' rugby in UK and Ireland, and the graphs are going two completely opposite directions. Women's rugby is only going in one direction, and that is up, and participation levels are through the roof. And it's one of the uh, most eagerly uh, participated in team sports in the world. Simple as that. So, uh, no, how lovely to to see that firsthand. That's brilliant. Look, uh, anyway, uh, enough of our ramblings and rantings and uh, annoyances. England were crowned uh, Grand Slam champions, of course, over in Parma at the weekend with a 54-0 victory over Italy. He was a record 15th Grand Slam in their 16th tournament win. First back-to-back Grand Slam since 2012. Let's talk to a lady who is front and centre in Parma. Sarah Beckett. Real, real pleasure to have a Grand Slam champion. No, no, a double Grand Slam champion on the podcast this morning. Sarah Beckett, a very, very warm welcome to you. Where where are you sort of dropping down to about cloud seven now or are are you still up at nine? Uh, yeah, I think back to reality today, you know, we're in, we're in with Quinns today, so got back yesterday. Um, I think it, it hit reality pretty much as soon as me and Jess walked in the door. We got a wash on straight away. Um, so, you know, we've got to get all those stuff done. Huge congratulations to, to you and, uh, and obviously the whole squad. How, how was the game for you 
seemed seemed fairly comfortable um, looking on. Was that the uh, the general feel on the field? Yeah, thanks. Firstly, um, we were obviously delighted to get the Grand Slam um, victory. But you know, I think the Italians always give um, a great battle, and I think the scoreline doesn't ever reflect the game that we have against them. I woke up yesterday morning feeling pretty battered. Um, my body's still a bit sore. Um, they were hugely physical. Uh, and I think if they'd have just kept the ball a little bit more um, and been able to put some phases together, we could have been in trouble a few times. Um, I think it got very scrappy, didn't it? So um, I think it was a, a bit of a hard game to get into. That's like their, their thing, isn't it? Make the game scrappy and make it messy for England. Um, I'm just interested about, obviously, in the Alliance Premier 15s, we've been playing the laws where you, not many scrums, certain areas you can only do a driving line. That's, did that have any effect on the game? Was it? Did it feel slower to you or still really high tempo? Or did you enjoy the little breaks at scrum time? Um, well, there was certainly no cheering when there were scrums. in <laughs> a few of the... Uh, Prem 15's games um, but no I don't think it changed too much I think it was slowed down a little bit because obviously free kicks are going to be a bit bit faster than scrums especially when they get reset um, but no I don't think it had that much of an impact and it was good to just play rugby like we're used to again and that's like a real weapon of England's isn't it the driving line out our set piece and and so to be able to go to that and to to also remind that you have that as a weapon must have been a, a great tool to have yeah, I think it's definitely helpful to us. I think we scored um, off the back of a scrum and then off the back of a mall. Um, and I think that's a big thing for us. If we can set a good platform for the backs, you know, we've got world-class backs out there um, who can who can show their magic. You definitely scored off that scrum as well, didn't you? It got over the line. <laughs> and then you get to yeah, it wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like I did score, but, you know, the team scored in the end anyway, so it doesn't. <laughs> matter to me uh, always humble always humble well, well I mean look at that the media textbook there it is there's the media textbook <laughs> answer now it's about the team the old goal hanger Poppy Clear was there to go over from 14 centimetres uh, she doesn't mind <laughs> doesn't mind scoring those does she um, Sarah was there much chat afterwards about or have you had little sort of conversations on the way home whatever geez we, yeah we, we, we could have done that better look we're talking from a, a standpoint of a double Grand Slam champions and yeah, 54 nil. but were there areas possibly in your head you thought oh geez, we, we could have possibly done that a little bit better yeah 100% I think you could definitely tell that we haven't been playing together for yep. a while now I think there were a few sticking points where we were sort of like we, we could have done that better or converted a few more um, but you know the group's quite new together again because of all the sevens girls that have come in. We've got a few changes and I think um, we've got new coaches as well, new philosophies. Um, so we're just trying to find our way and sort of settle into that. But I think we did a good job. Um, first run out, um, we got a good win and you can't really ask for more than that. You know, we've got our eyes set now. We're, we're a year out from the World Cup um, and we can't lose sight of what we're trying to do. Um, and I think nothing more than a Grand Slam was going to be um, good enough for us. And we saw some of the pictures post-match, champagne coming out, trophy being put on Santa's head. I mean, how was it? How was it for the group? And, and you know, to, so for so long, you'd never known if that game was going to get played and if you were going to get that moment to lift the trophy. I mean, how special was that for you, all of you? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I think we talked about it all week we sort of talked about it being England together so obviously we had girls back who in the Six Nations were injured 
um, and we've we've lost girls like Zoe Oldcroft, Hannah Bottomman, um, Sarah McKenna, people like Vicky Fleetwood, um, who have now got injured on the way to this victory, who are a massive part of the team, um, and also backroom staff. We lost two physios, um, a doctor. Um, we had loads of different people in who and Rich Blaze forwards coach who weren't there to finish the job with us. So we felt like we had a real responsibility to go and finish the job. But, you know, as soon as we that final whistle went, you know, it's just like old times and, and having a great time celebrating what we've done as a group and for the group that are back at home. What uh, what what were the celebrations like? Can you tell us? Um, to be honest, it wasn't that. It wasn't that wild. We we stayed at the ground for a while. I don't know if you saw the videos of singing. She's got the Six Nations on her head. Um, <laughs> pushing for that to go Christmas number one. So you might want to talk to her about that, Johnny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we had a good time at the ground and in the changing room for a while. But obviously, when we get back, it's all socially distanced again and um, trying to limit any sort of implications that if anybody did test positive, um we limit who who gets knocked out with that and you know I think credit to the medical team for putting those sanctions in place you know when Mo tested positive because we've all stuck to the to the um the rules and the regulations nobody else got got um told they had to isolate with that and you know it's we were gutted for Mo um but credit to the medical team and the rest of the girls for following what we had to 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 not have to isolate with Mo. Just um, a question on celebrations. There's been a few videos um, shown around. Um, obviously, when you get your first cap, it's presented to you after the game. But notice that you had a Zoom call in. Was that friends and family, or was that some of the players that you know you mentioned that are out from injury? So it was a bit of both. Um, we had a family and friends one, and then after that, we had a players and staff one for the people that weren't there to celebrate. Um, obviously, getting your first cap. Um, Moz and Helen are getting their first caps you know they're unbelievable talents and we're really lucky to have them in the group and it's it's a real shame that their parents couldn't be there to see them get their first cap um, but we wanted to make it as normal as possible for them to try and let their parents see them being presented with their first cap um, it's a really special moment that you never get back so hopefully we, we did as best we could with that such a lovely touch. Really, really lovely nice. touch and I, of course you come from a, a big old rugby family I Remember commentating on, on on Charlie, your brother, back in uh, well a few years ago now when he was England under twenties. You spoke to him after the game. How much emotion was flooding through the uh, the airwaves down the phone at you? Oh, I um I picked up my phone when we got back in the change room, looked at the family group chat, and you know there was like a hundred messages on there because they commentate through the game as well. <laughs> <laughs> back and like they're commentating through the game and like oh you definitely scored that or not sure about that not sure about this um but no you know none of us get here without the support of our family um and I think that's massive for all of us um and again it was so important to have that zoom call with our family and friends because um they couldn't be there with us and they're a main reason why we do it and why we can do it um, so to not have them there was was pretty gutting. But, you know, that's the way the world is at the moment. And we were really lucky that we got to go out there and finish what we started. Back to earth with a bump. You're back in the, the Harlequin shirt now. They're over Zoom. Life life picks up pretty quickly again. What, so what's the plan for, for this week and going into uh, not only club, but uh, more international stuff? Yeah, so back to club training today and the rest of the week. Um, I think we're a bit modified today with what we can do in training. Um, because we have to have a, a COVID test tomorrow. 
um, just after we've travelled for um, extra safety. Um, but then Thursday, obviously back into full training, and then we play Loughborough on Saturday. So that would be a real good test. You know, they're a real good side. So I'm looking forward to that. Indeed. So you two are united and I'll be on the mic talking about it. So you both best have very good games. <laughs> um, and then we just, just look to the, the week beyond that. You, you said kind of new squad coming together. Obviously, bit, quite a bit of rust has been shaken off now over over in Palmer. Two big, big games against against France. How much are you looking forward to to those big tests? Yeah, you know, I think the last couple of weeks' focus has been on us as a squad, and then last week it was on Italy. Um, give them all the respect that they deserve, um, and the game was obviously against them first but now yeah obviously looking forward to the France games and um, it's obviously been talked about and I think there's been a few questions around it but as far as we're concerned we're prepping for the games Um, you know I think one thing we've learned through this is that you've got to be flexible so we've just got to focus on ourselves and focus on our prep and continue to prep for France um, and, and you know get the best we can out of ourselves They're always a big big physical challenge France Something you, a part of your game you, you absolutely relish. Yeah, I love playing against France. If I'm honest, it's a it's one of my favourite games to play. Um, they've obviously got a big pack, a big physical pack, and they present different challenges to us. And um, I think one of my favourite things in the world to do is go out and play in front of a French crowd. They're vocal. They let you know when you've made a mistake. Um, but I I love that opportunity to go and silence a crowd and have some fun while we're doing it. Great stuff. Wait, wait. Where's your medal? Where's your Six Nations medal? It's here. Yes. Sorry, listeners, you can't see this, but there she is. She's got a medal. Being very humble about it, I have to say. In the box, there it is. Look at that. Very shiny. I like that you're representing Waterloo behind you with your kishty cushion made by your Burns. Yeah. (laughs) My dad got me it, yeah. Um, That's the first shirt that I played Bremen, so um, it's a nice little reminder. Oh, brilliant reminder. Uh, I must just touch on as well, because I, I think it's just fab. It was a few weeks ago you released, um, you were singing a tune, guitar, very, very musical. I'm hugely, hugely impressed. And I know I've, we, we've, we've sort of had a, a brief conversation about it, but Anna Capeless as well at Harlequins. Let's get a band together. Honestly, Sarah, sing superbly well. Um, you up for that? If we get a band together, let's get a Christmas number one going. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not something that I like to shout about or do in front of people, but maybe that's something I need to grow grow out of a little bit. Um, yeah, I just mainly play in my bedroom, really, but um, yeah. Give us a little tune. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't get out of me today. I knew she was going to ask her. I wasn't going to put you on the spot. Um, well, look, don't worry. No, no, nobody listens to this, so they won't. Uh, they won't hear <laughs> Um, that you're you're into music and whatever, but no, genuinely, uh, really, really you know, impressive with a with a guitar as you are with a rugby ball. Um, Sarah, many many congratulations on um, yeah, really really blossoming as a as a player in my humble opinion, um, and yeah, fantastic at the weekend and huge congratulations to to you and the rest of the squad. We will see you up at Loughborough at the weekend, but uh, enjoy the rest of the week, and um, yes, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me on, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Beckett. See you at training. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. I'm Bella Franco, and you're listening to the Woman Rugby Pod. Talented young lady, uh, Sarah Beckett. Really, really good to to have her on the uh, on the pod. 
Had some really big boots to fill at the weekend with uh, with no Sarah Hunter. But in terms of on the field, she's um, she's growing into that role, isn't she? She's a combative player, someone you know very well, of course, uh, being a teammate at Harlequins. Yeah, she she's a real competitive warrior, and um, you know she has got big boots to fill. But luckily enough, Sarah was out there, so it was probably helping her. But to be honest, Sarah Beckett's been on top form at club and. And to be honest, every time she's played in the international shirt, she's performed really well. So she'll have great confidence. She would have had great confidence from that going into the game. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> you can hear in her voice that she's pretty. She's still on cloud nine, isn't she? Yeah, and quite rightly so. Yeah, as we said, 50, uh, 54 nil to England with tries from Kildun, Cleal, uh, Emily Scarrett as her 47th, just her 47th international try in her 90th cap. Abby Ward, Sarah Bird, Jess Breach. Leanne Riley and Marley Packer. Nice little celeb from Marley Packer, wasn't it? To the, the little bubber at home. Uh, but yeah, who who impressed for you, Berth? Um, I, I, I was quite impressed with everybody. I don't think like many had like a standout game, but that often means that everybody's kind of just doing their role. Um, I think Sarah Byrne, naturally, she's always going to make bursting runs of how powerful she is. I think Casey Dane McLean played well, as always. Emily Scarrett hit some great lines. The back three didn't get lots of opportunities, so you didn't see much of them. But, you know, the couple of times, you know, Jess got her hands on the ball once, got over. Same with Ellie Kildun. Um, I thought Marley Packer was everywhere, to be honest. Um, and just her fight and her dog. And I said it last week, like, I just don't think we've got another seven that's that's like her. You know, the fight that she has in contact and her work rate around the pitch... I thought she was outstanding. Um, Abby Ward had another strong game, you know, partnership with with a, a new cap, 18 years old. So Abby would have had a hell of a lot of responsibility at the set piece and controlling that and leading that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the majority of players played well. Nobody had a bad game. Um, and yeah, so I think they'll all be really pleased with their performance. But knowing knowing every single one of them, they'll they'll want to improve. They want to look back at some of the things that didn't go quite right, and maybe some of the opportunities that they missed, and how they can make sure that they're scanning and seeing things and creating things for for future games to come. To to come back after the the, the break they've had to fifty four nil someone uh, is 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 impressive and a, and a team that. England have struggled against uh, over the last few Six Nations, especially over over in Italy, um, and, and that rust and what have you, and that mental pressure of being being really really hot favourites. So all of that aside, but uh, but I know Simon Middleton, and uh, you know we know the players involved. They will want uh, every single detail to be right. And I just going into contact was a little bit upright. If we're looking at the microscope stuff, quite a lot of static people receiving the ball static rather than um, a little bit of pace. So you're going into contact, for me, was was an area which could be improved a bit. And I, I, I like you. you know, we, we heard from Sam Milton last week about this back three of, of Dow, Breach and Kill Dunn. I didn't really see it. And actually, if you've got those kind of runners, then, then we need to see it. I think Ellie Kildun picked up a couple of loose balls and, and looked really impressive, as we, we know she is. I think the ball went down the back line to, to her once. But... You remember Abby Dow back in back in uh, earlier in the year against Scotland and what she can do. We know Jess Breach has scored four thousand nine hundred seventy two tries in in three caps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unbelievable strike rate. Let's get these people people into the game. Of course, there was some, there, yeah, some real class. Of course, from yeah, Emily Scout's line and what have you. But uh, but I just wonder whether 
you know, I, I, I like the touches from Helena Rowland when she came on. She was trying stuff, which I thought was really, really impressive for, for a debut. Not everything went right, but much preferred to, to see her trying stuff. And I just wonder whether, yeah, just a little bit more distribution outside of uh, Katie Daly-McLean um, might yeah, I think get those players involved a little more. Yeah, and picking up on your contact um, comment, I guess, you know, like we've, we've spoken earlier, that their, their prep time has been very different this time around. They're limited in terms of how much contact they can do, you know, at clubs and when they're internationally. They've been a long time apart. They've got a big injury list. So I think you're quite right. They'll be looking at that going, yeah, we, it's not quite how we maybe wanted to play at times. But with all of those kind of situations, you know, seven and a half months not playing together, not having all the preparation time, you know, wondering whether the game was going to be on, all those mental side of things. So, yeah, I think, and like you said, Simon Wilson might be sitting there thinking, yeah, we're, we're, you know, sitting on our pedestal and everything's great. They'd definitely be scrutinising that performance. You know, they'd be happy that they won and that they, they're grandstand champions and they thoroughly deserve that. You know, there was four other games that they worked really hard for as well. Um, but yeah, they'll definitely be looking at and thinking, you know, how do we push on now? Because all eyes are on to France Autumn Internationals now, Six Nations again, and, you know, we're, we're closing in on that World Cup. Yeah, I think it's uh, nine games now till... Uh... Till the World Cup starts. But yeah, I just wanted to make the point they scored 34 tries, only two against. Scored 45 tries last year in the Six Nations, six against. So that defence is, is, is hugely impressive. And yeah, to nail an international team uh, is very, very good indeed. Uh, must just say, yeah, congratulations to Mariana Talling at debut at 18 years of age. We mentioned Helena Rowland. Katie, Daly McLean, 115th cap, joint third now with uh, Tamara Taylor. Helios, as I say, watching with my boys and Commentary comes over, Daily McLean does something, and just from the other side of the lounge, I hear this, Kitty, <laughs> from my youngest, which I thought was just brilliant. Um, and yeah, congratulations to Mark Luffman as well, who's been appointed the, the Red Roses forward coach. That's sort of rather gone under the radar, but uh, congratulations to him. And yeah, hearts out to uh, to Mo Hunt, Hannah Bottom and people like that um, who who injured Vicky Fleetwood, Zoe Allcroft, Sarah McKenna, Lydia Thompson, who weren't able to, to get out to Italy and a, and a few of the support staff as well. But uh, congratulations to the to the entire squad. On the flip side of that, of course, Wales against Scotland and France against Ireland were both postponed. Such a shame, especially after that fabulous act of rugby solidarity to try and get that uh, fixture on at France-Ireland, although... It would have been Ireland-France. We will wait and see, won't we, to see when those games might be able to, to be squeezed in. But uh, it's, it's, it's looking really, really difficult, isn't it, to squeeze all these fixtures in. We will get some uh, reaction to yeah, the heartbreak of the, the, that, that game being cancelled from an Irish perspective from Senna Napu, but uh, still plenty to talk about uh, with Senna. Just her getting back on the pitch is... Uh, is is an unbelievable achievement within itself anyway. So, yeah, later on the pod, uh, Seni Napu coming up. But uh, it wasn't just England who were celebrating over the weekend. Down in New Zealand, the land of the long white cloud, it was, as they call down there, the big dance. The uh, the Dr. Farah Palmer Cup final between Waikato and Canterbury. I think we should probably just remind the viewers that uh, Rachel Burford backed Waikato to win and... I myself humbly went for Canterbury. So 
that aside, let's get reaction to that final now with one of the main players. And it turned out she had an incredibly important role in the dying seconds as Canterbury won the game. A7 was the final score. That try coming 56 seconds into injury time. Let's get Kendra on the pod. I'm Stacey Flula and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Absolutely delighted to be joined by World Cup winner and now fourth successive Dr. Farah Palmer Cup titles in the back pocket, Kendra Coxage. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Don't be silly. It's an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on the pod again. Over over a year since uh, since you've been on, it's been a well, it's been a been a funny old twelve months, hasn't it? Where um, <laughs> where everyone's safe and, and well, your end presumably. Oh, I would certainly hope so. Anyway, yeah, no, everyone's safe, safe and well over here. It's yeah, it's just pretty crazy to see what's still going on around around the world with COVID. But um, yeah, we're managing pretty well over here. You're managing pretty well, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> You'll take that. So how's the body feeling? Uh, the body's feeling, um, yeah, it's pretty, 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 pretty exhausted, to be honest. Um, we've just come into, into camp uh, for the Pro Bowl's best possible that it's coming up this weekend and then a couple of weeks with Black Ferns and New Zealand Barbarians. But, um, yeah, yesterday kind of came into camp and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, my body is so tired, it's so sore. Um, and the girls went off to the gym, um, but the ones that played in the final uh, just got to do recovery, so jump in the pool and do some stretching and then I was like, oh, my gosh, thank God, because... This body is getting older. It's getting older. It takes a lot, a lot longer to recover. Yeah, I mean, with finals like they were. So, I mean, I only got to see the highlights, um, but it was just eighty minutes of non-stop, highly competitive, high pace, and yeah. you still managed to find a high tempo, quick tap at the end, and then get your team yeah. in the right area to then win it. Yeah, credit to, to Waikato. They. Um... I couldn't get any other quick penalties and quick tips in during the game. Um, they did well at actually slowing our ball down. But yeah, it was real high tempo. And yeah, I think there was, I think there was about 33 seconds left on the clock. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, we're not, I was like thinking, that was the only time I had a little bit of doubt, but it kind of came in and then it went out straight away. I was like, no, we're still, we can still do this. Um, and then one of our girls yeah, got that last, what, 10 seconds to go, got a turnover. Um, and then I was like, in the game, I just kept saying the girls just carry hard and clean hard. Like, that was just as basic as what it was. Um, and let the rest, you know, let, let the rest do itself. And it's, it's exactly what happened, really. Um, you know, Waikato was starting to tire. Both teams were starting to tire. Um, but, yeah, and then just, yeah, I had to take that quick tap. There was no way I was stopping. I was going. Um, and then, yeah, we just, we just get a penalty advantage, too, which makes you relax a little bit yeah. when you're hard on the line. And, you know, you're attacking, hot on attack. And, I think that's what's really cool is you had that penalty and then you can kind of do whatever advantage and you can do whatever you want and if you stuff it up, you, you know, you kind of get to go again. Um, but, um, yeah, Cindy Nellis, our, our Canadian lock, um, had an outstanding season, so it was cool for her to get that last try. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, you're, you're down on the scoreboard and it's been incredible. You know, defence has been the winner all day and then you decide, do you know what, with literally seconds left on the clock, I mean, I, we, we all know that's your game anyway, but to trust yourself in that situation... Um, was there any doubt in the, uh, at all? Did you think, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that the moment you did it? Or was that, as you say, with, with that penalty there, was, was that the, the, the relaxed state you were in? 
Yeah, I think I did. I just kind of went, went with it, really. Like, I, you know, at a turnover, there tends to be a few people in the ruck and, you know, and a, a, you know, a few close people. And I was like, okay, well, I can get this and go quick. You know, they've got to obviously get back 10. So, um, no, I just went with it. We had to go. That's that's what was going through my head. I was like, we've just got to go. We've got to continue this and, and, and go. And then Grace Brooker just had a really beautiful line, you know, coming in from fullback. She almost read exactly what I was what I was doing. Um, and then we went to one side. And then Martin Lillardier obviously did that strong carry. We managed to. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's just, I guess, experience and just confidence. And just, just hope that, you know, hope they helped like hell that the team was going to come with me. And they did. So... <laughs> It was an unbelievable finish. It was an unbelievable finish. It was honestly Waikato. I actually felt for them. I actually felt for them as well a little bit. Because the game was just so awesome. Like, defensively, you know, there were so many pressure points. There were so many. Like, we dropped, I think, three balls over the line, you know. Like, and they were dropping balls. Like, Stacey Waka never drops a ball in in clean open space and just clean drops it, you know. Like, pressure footy, that's what it it does to you. And I reckon, honestly, guys, that that was probably my hardest game that played not World Cup finals and test. It's probably one of the hardest games in my career. That's mm. awesome to hear that yeah. and yeah. I could echo that with our premiership here. Like the domestic league is getting so much tougher that yeah. they, no disrespect, but in terms of some internationals they, they don't come close to like, some of the encounters we've had against Saracens over here with Harlequin. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just because we were down, when you're down in points like for when I've been in those situations before, we've tend to been up, like been up in points, and you kind of just got to kill the time out. But this was like we had to, we had to score, right? And we, that's all we had to do. And I, you know, the pressure kind of comes on, and you, you're relying on your players to do those small things well, and they did. So, I guess good experience leading into the year that's coming yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it was important for a lot of us to kind of feel that. <laughs> John, I was so engrossed in our bet, so I know that Johnny's been doing a little bit of digging and stabbing a knife in my back as always, and saying I was going for Waikato. I mean, we had to go for one or the other. He jumped at you, so I didn't really have a choice. But don't tell no, me. No, you're right. We'll let you off. Um, we'll I literally because <laughs> it was obviously on in like the middle of the night. I woke up at like I don't know four a.m. and I was like, right, I'm having a look at the score, and I had a quick look. I watched the highlight, and then I was like wide awake because I was like, oh my god, as if that's just happened. Three, and it was like three nil for like for ages, and I actually thought it was going to end that way. Like no one could score tries. It was crazy. <laughs> Sometimes when when matches are like three nil, you think, oh my god, that must have been an awful game. But when you watch the highlights, it's like wow, opportunity on opportunity. It's just like you say those errors that crept in, uncharacteristic yeah. by some yeah. players. Girls doing stuff that they haven't done all season. Like they haven't done stuff with season. Like, like our winner, like Martha Lolo here, loves running over the top of people. And in that last place, he tried to go around them. And I was like, every <laughs> other time, you would just run over them. <laughs> so it's quite funny. What pressure does to you, it makes you do things that you don't normally do. Yeah, and obviously the pressure is getting to, to birth a little bit because that's, that's some of the best oh, professional God. backtracking I've ever heard, Kendra. <laughs> Nobody put any pressure on uh, anyone to, to go for hey, any I team. Give but, some confidence. She's come from sevens. Simple as that. So you, don't, you don't bet against the champions. You don't bet against a team that have won it three times in a row because they know how to win the thing. It's as simple as that. And now you've won it four four so times in a row. Johnny, and you'd be in too, so. uh, Cox, it's four times in a row. That is unbelievable. What I mean, we all know there's, there's probably lots of little bits and pieces that 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 come together to to make that kind of stuff possible. But if you had to put your finger on two or three things as to why you you can keep playing in those pressure games and keep winning them, 
Um, I think it comes down to, like, I mean, we talk a lot around culture of teams, right? And, like, the teams I've been part of that have been successful is because of the culture, and that's what I put it on in terms of our team. Like, we worked for each other. We had a, um, a theme, you know, a theme throughout the whole season, and the girls got in behind it, and we actually had tattoos on us. Literally stick on tattoos saying fight to the death for the game. And at one stage in the game, we all looked at them and like, you know, we're going to fight to the death. And that's exactly what we did. And like, we just, you know, we play for each other. And, you know, the girls that we play with in Canterbury, like, they just want to turn up to training and they love it. We've got 16 year old girls who come, you know, they're not part of the team, they're in the wider, but they turn up every single week. And I think that's what's created that really awesome culture is that they want to be there and they work bloody hard. Um, and then just, I reckon the rest just flows from that, really. I think you, you briefly mentioned it there, but obviously we're, we're 11 months out from a, a World Cup, a, a home World Cup. Um, what kind of a motivation, have you seen that within the league this year? Obviously, people are very, very pleased to be back playing some rugby. So there's lots of factors within this, but back playing rugby, home World Cup, you know, um, selection up for grabs, uh, and then you get a final, which sort of replicates a test match. It's absolutely ideal preparation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we think it's ideal ideal preparation. The Farah Palmer Cup this year, the quality of it's been like unreal. Um, yeah. You know, having the Sevens girls back in and, you know, there's been a lot of upsets and just the quality of the game is just is growing. And, you know, three of the four semi, semi-finalists were all like, they played a wide, fast game. Like, we almost say like those, the, the, the game's changed across a lot of teams here and they're the ones that made the semis. So, um, you know, obviously, what kind of they're a bigger pack and they tend to run it pretty hard and keep it nice and tight. But the other three finalists, you know, semi finalists like to play to width and play on the edge. And then I knew that game straight away. When we, like, I almost picked that we would play, if we went well, we'd play Waikato in the final because of, and then I knew it was going to be awesome because of the quality of rugby that was getting played. Um, but, you know, now we've got, well, you know, we've moved into, these, um, into camp today. We've got as probables as possible. And then, uh, a couple of games in New Zealand, uh, Barbarians and Black Ferns. And, you know, again, I think that's just ideal prep. We, we're just, you know, like you said, we're just grateful to be playing playing the game. I see what's kind of happening over your guys' way in that and then kind of just disheartened there a little bit with, you know, you guys still having to go through different bits and pieces and people on the teams and they're having COVID. Like, no one here has actually had COVID in any of the teams or, or anything and having, you know, you're having to um, games and all that just kind of breaks my heart for you guys over there. But, um, yeah, we're just grateful to be playing and it's good quality footy. And with your um, possible versus probables, do you get does that selection come out of the uh, Farah Palmer Cup? So selectors are watching some unknown talent. You obviously got your your squad already in terms. How big's your kind of elite squad playing squad? Do you have? Yeah, well, yeah. So at the moment, so I, yeah. So this squad, so there's two teams. Obviously, probables, possibles. I think there's a 26 in each team um, that that was picked from from the um, from the Farah Palmer Cup that was actually announced. So everyone got, I think contact on the Tuesday before the final so um, so I was solely picked on that and we've got a lot of new girls who have come in which is really exciting as well um, and then from there they'll, they'll um, finalise a squad for the Black Ferns next week to play the Barbars but they're probably looking around I think at the moment with everyone here you're looking at you know probably 50, 60 people at the moment that could be bringing that Black Jersey at the World Cup next year And when you say Barbars what's, what's that makeup going to be of? So there's just other players in New Zealand. Um, like even like, you know, um, say like Cindy Alrock, you know, she's Canadian, Canadian port, but she's, you know, she's available to be able to play um, for that Barbies team. So it's just, yeah, I think they're just going to try and get us, get the best team to play against. Um, you know, and for me, I think, you know, we've obviously got some pretty talented players over here. So the more rugby we can play at that high level, um, you know, the better for prep next year. And we'll be potentially some of those players that might miss out on being in that Blackfern squad might cross over to the Barbies. 
Yeah, that's exactly what will happen. Yeah, so the ones that will miss, I stream like majority of the ones that are here, and there's probables, just possibles, which is the trial for that selection, um, would likely move into either the black ferns or into the barbers. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Ken, I'm very conscious of time. As you say, you, you are in camp, and um, we're just we're just about to up with our, our time. With you. As you know, we had, we had the bet between Berth and I. She went for Waikato. Um, I obviously backed you because why, why wouldn't you? Um, and it was a dare. <laughs> If you lost, there was going to be a dare. Now, we haven't had any dares through on social media. So if you wanted to set a dare for birth now, as she bet against you, um, that would be absolutely fine. I reckon she should have to sing the New Zealand National Anthem. Yes. 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 Someone tried to yes. speak to me the hacker yesterday. I was like, I can't do that. England are playing today. That would be like such bad karma for them. I can't do that. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Right, we'll get that done, Kendra. Don't you worry. You look out for on Rachel's socials for that. And um... Yeah, I'll, leave, I'll be waiting on the social media. To see oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. She didn't take it on social. She just said, I've got to sing it. <laughs> Lovely. No problem at all. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll record that up. <laughs> and the celebrations were legendary, I hope, for a fourth title. Yeah, it was good, but yeah, it could have been better if we didn't have to be in camp on, on Monday morning, but um, <laughs> we still enjoyed Saturday night, which was good. Great stuff. Kendra, huge, huge congratulations from from me, my side of the WRP. Um, oh. <laughs> no, from both of us, uh, huge congratulations. That is that is some feat, and really, really appreciate you, you joining us. Yeah, no problem Sorry, at all. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great form, Kendra. Really, really relaxed, and oh, what well, diminutive character, isn't she? But what a talismanic player she is! Yeah, she is, and, and where you hear her talk, then where her knowledge and her experience comes into play. You know, she talked about how more than often or not, she doesn't find herself in those positions, whether she's in a Canterbury shirt or whether she's in a in a black fern shirt, where they're behind. So. Great experience for her, but also just the belief in her ability and her players' ability around her to to control the game, to believe in themselves, to go for one more shot um, and take the opportunity. You know, when you've got a player like that that has so much self-belief about what everybody else can do, then you can buy into that and it gives you such a lift knowing that your top players are, are confident enough to keep continue to play and to keep the belief, to never have that doubt. Um, you know, all all she does is is bring the whole team along. She's an inspirational leader without without even trying to be one. Um, she leads completely by example. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm gutted for for Stacey Wacker and um, sorry, Stacey Flula and Wakato um, to lose like that. It's just oh, it's so heartbreaking. And and for anybody who hasn't watched um, the game or seen the highlights, like Johnny said, it defence is king and they defended their absolute hearts out and it's just it's oh it's so cruel but on the flip side of that what a what a fantastic win for for Canterbury and, and Kendra Cotters and her side you've got to take your opportunities and it would be remiss if I didn't take my opportunity just to be smug well no well, no no not in the slightest be because I, I I'm not the one who's got to sing the uh, the New Zealand national anthem um God of nations at thy feet, in the bonds of love we meet. I think of the, the opening words, Berth. Hear our voices, we entreat, God defend our free land. Etc, etc. Yeah, I, I've, I've sent you the words, Berth. Look, we'll, we'll give you, what, a week or so just to, just to sort of practice, clear the vocal vocal cords. Um, I'm but, out of office for the week. What's that? I'm out of office for the week. Sorry. 
Well, it does all right. You can practice anywhere you like. Perhaps we'll put a poll on uh, on our social medias. Should Berth sing the uh, yeah. New Zealand okay. national anthem as Kendra Coxage suggested she should? Because we haven't had a suggestion from uh, from the listeners. Yeah, I mean, you you, just, you change the rules midway through for losing you, the bet. You're meant to do this, and then you just put Kendra on the spot. Well, shoot me down with a feather, just. <laughs> just you're just, just you're trying to play it through because you know you you went for one team i went for another sportsman's bet this is the forfeit and you know captain my captain should lead from example if you go to these things you've got to be prepared to do the consequences betting against canterbury really i'm jill burns and you're listening to the wonderful women's rugby pod a little bit of news to bring you up to date with some more results. Uh, that rearranged fixture from the uh, Premier 15s. Bristol against Wasps. 64-10 to Giselle Mather's side. Seven first half tries. Really blew the, the Bears away. Ten tries in all. Burton, Bowman, Alder, Craig, Quanta. Uh, Bristol did rally in that second half to score a couple of tries of their own. But... Uh, yeah, we, missing the, the Welsh contingent uh, are obviously planning to be on international duty, but that's a really good bonus point win on the road uh, for Wasps takes them up to, to fourth. Did you manage to see any of that, Berth? No, I didn't get a chance to see um, any of the game, really. Um, but I, I could have predicted that it was going to be a really tough day for Bristol with all the players that they had missing. You know, ju- it just didn't... Amber Reid and um, Sarah Byrne, they just... It's surprising how just two players can make such a difference, um, as well as all their Welsh players as well. So I knew it was going to be a really tough side, um, tough day for for Bristol, based on even though the internationals are on, we still have a wealth of international players, experienced players, club players. Um, so I think that was quite um, a fair prediction that they were going they were going to go there, and it was going to be tough. On the, on the flip side of that, you was missing a few as well, though. Dow, Kildan, uh, Miller Mills, Maloney for Ireland. Ma- yeah, but they Malloy. still have Meg Jones. Yeah. They have Lucy Nye, who's an experienced club player in, in the Premiership. You know, they've got the, a solid back row. That they're, they're the club players, which are kind of like the glue. And when you have those players that have been a rock in previous years for, for Wasps, and then you add in a little bit of sparkle with the likes of um, Celia Quanta and Meg Jones and Kate Order, their captain, is you know she's a really strong, consistent player. So even though they've got a couple of key players out, they've got also key players still in very pivotal positions, which then allows other players to be able to play, good direction around the pitch, good control. Um, so that's why I think even though they are missing... A handful of players and they still have a big handful that are left at home as well yeah it's kind of, kind of my point that there's that real strength in depth at wasps there possibly isn't there at bristol and and yeah with that that will will tell as the uh as the season goes on yes and that gloucester heartbreak versus sell rearranged game is now for the 21st of november that was obviously cancelled and um, due to covid uh, reasons a few of the players have come down with the virus Indeed, so uh, yes, Ohan being one of those, wish her all the best. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be affected too badly at the moment, though, but uh, she's back home with mum and dad smashing people. Anyway, this weekend's fixtures a full fixture list in the Premier 15s. 
all on Saturday. Two o'clock, that game we've already mentioned with Sarah Beckett. Loughborough Lightning against Harlequins. Your prediction, Berth. Harlequins? Good. Uh, Was against DMP Durham. <laughs> You're not going to back Lightning, are you? No. <laughs> no. Can Rachel Burford make it four from four so far this season as captain? Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, that one's being live streamed on the RFU website. Also, Was against DMP Durham Sharks. Can I guess again? Yep. Wasps? Yep. Then at 2.30, Exeter Chiefs against Worcester Warriors. Oh, This is quite a tough one, I think. Um, I think if if Worcester put their best performance, a good performance in, a strong performance, as we saw in the opening rounds, I think it will be a real tight game against Exeter Chiefs. Um, And having played against Exeter two weeks ago, if, again, if they're able to execute some of their opportunities, it, it really is in the balance, this one. It's difficult to call, but I'm going to back Worcester just based on the way that they're building the players, the few players that they have um, who are coming back. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that game. OK, well, who's going to win? I'm going to back Worcester. Lovely. OK. Uh Harbury against Saracens. Oh, this is quite a tough one as well because you can see that Gloucester Hartbury are improving. Um, but I, I don't think you can look past Saracens. They're going to take this one, especially, you know, I don't know this, but I don't know if Mo will be available. That's a huge loss for them. Obviously, we know that Zoe Allcroft is out. Um, so some key players that they're going to be missing that, that would make a big, big difference. So, but I'm going to back Saris. Saris for that one. And uh, the final game is Sale Sharks against Bristol. Bristol bounce back. Yeah, I believe so. I think, I think with their players by coming back in, uh, I think that it'll, they'll be just a bit too strong for Sale Sharks at the moment. Sale Sharks do look like a decent outfit. It's just kind of that time together, learning and knowing each other, and also when new teams come in, it, it's you talk about experience, being in tight games or, you know, winning those 50-50s, they come from experience and time of playing together. And so I think that Bristol will have that over them as well. You heard it here first. Another little bit of news um, coming out from my Harlequins teammate, Emily Scott. This weekend, she was in the Sunday Times um, sharing her story about rheumatoid arthritis, something that she's suffered with since she was 17 years old. She's doing it to speak out, to let people know that no matter what your conditions are, you can still go out there and achieve your dreams and your goals. Have a look at that. It's on the Sunday Times website. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I think, yeah, that's a, it, it's a wider point, isn't it? Um, whether it's um, Sean Brown you know, with Black History Month or players, you know, Flo Williams calling out uh, the, the Irish Rugby Union and, and Canterbury. You know, that, that hashtag enough actually we're going to, we're going to stand out stand up and, and talk about these things and the more these things are, are spoken about uh, the better but uh, yes fair play to you Emily news from Australia as they like lots of other international teams trying to build towards the World Cup they they were due to have a, a series against the Black Ferns but uh, obviously that's been cancelled but players from uh, New South Wales ACT and Queensland will be in action over the next two weekends in the biggest domestic women's rugby tournament since the Super W came to 
an early end back in March due to, of course, the, the global pandemic. So the fixtures uh, this weekend are in the Chikorovsky Cup, Canberra Women Presidents 15 against Sydney Blue, Canberra Women Presidents 15 against Sydney Gold and New South Wales Country Women against Sydney Blue. In Queensland, there's a women's 15 select match as Queensland Reds take on Queensland Grey. All these matches, all these matches are being streamed live. So go to rugby.com.au to see them if you fancy. Again, brilliant that these games are being streamed live uh, around the world and accessible to everyone. Other unions take note, please. Even just perhaps stream your more club games. Thank you very much to Scrum Queens for the heads up on that uh, and John Birch in particular. Well, let's get the darling of uh, Irish women's rugby on the pod now. A lady who's been through a really, really tough time, not just with cancelled Six Nations games, but on the personal front as well. Uh, I know a good, close personal friend of, of yours, Berth. It's it's Seni Napu. As ever, I think we yeah, we described you earlier on as the darling of, uh, of uh, Irish women's rugby. And a, and a true legend um, on and off the field. And uh, we like to consider her a good friend of the pod. I know you're a good good friend of Burst. But uh, yeah, friend of the pod. Delighted to say a very, very good morning to you, Senin Apu. How are you? Um, good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Berth. Such a pleasure to be here. And thanks for having me again. Massive fan of the show and the work you guys are doing. So um, yeah, so happy to be here. I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Good. Well, obviously a little bit of disappointment at the weekend and so much effort have been made to, to put that game on. It must have been really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I look, fair play to the French, you know, to forfeit home advantage and, um, you know, support our government guidelines and our players' post-work commitments. Um, it was something special. So I think, um, you know, all in all, yeah, overall, uh, disappointment to not play that final match for both teams really but um you know at the end of the day it was um it was pretty special what France did and um the fact that we were able to you know well, I suppose it, it meant that it showed how sportsmanship like that they are you know France rugby to be able to collaborate with the unions and rights holders commercial partners players all of us so that um we could get that match played but um, obviously the pandemic had the final say. Um, but at the end of the day, it was pretty cool how they were able to, forf- you know, wanted to forfeit that for us. So, you know, yeah, disappointment, but it's, uh, look, it is what it is. When, when did you guys find out? How did that all play out? Well, look, you know, Rachel know very well as, as a current player, you've got to take things week by week, hey? Eh? So we had that same mindset, um, heading into each of these games and each of our camps even, you know. Um, so it was uh, come, you know, game week, it was a day-by-day thing. So, uh, yeah, pretty much midweek uh, got the news and then um, had to switch focus into internal games for camp uh, at the weekend, which we had last weekend. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened, to be honest, Johnny. And so, so Sene, you say you had internal games. So where did the focus then switch to? Just kind of what's next for the team and, and what's coming up? Or, or are you hoping for a rearranged fixture that you're thinking about? I mean, what's what's now gonna, what's now happening in the Irish team? Um, super question. So even before that France game, we had to have that mindset of best case scenario, we play it, 
worst case we don't. So whatever contingency uh, we had a focus on either option. So yeah, thankfully we were still able to train. You know, our full squad was available. Um, everyone's healthy and it's actually a testament to the vigilance of how we conduct our processes day to day. So we have a daily TSO check-in that we all had to do compulsory, really, really strict. Like if you don't get it by like 7.30am, you're out, you don't make, you know, so it's really strict. And so for everyone in the squad to be able to be available every week is actually a real testament to the process. So <clears throat> yeah, internal games that weekend was, uh, was actually quite good for us uh, to come together. Obviously not as good as, you know, an international fixture against a team like France, one of the best in the world. And um, But look, we made do what we, with what we had and it was a really, really tough few days, actually. Really tough few days training before we broke away this week and this week's our down week. And so what's coming, what's around the corner for you then? So we, we've talked about qualifiers and that kind of thing. Like where, where's the squad at with their thought process and their, their physical process towards that? We're in a down week this week and we kind of reassemble for next week once the squad is named for the World Cup qualifiers. So that's still to, that squad is still to be named for December. So the, the focus um, is quite heavily fixed on those three games, the first uh, few weekends in December. And is that next week you say your selection is? And, and and obviously there's not much rugby being played in Ireland domestically. So what? how are the coaches going around that selection? Is it based on the, the recent training, the fixture against Italy, the internal game? How does that all work? Be a combination of a, a few things, you know, in terms of um, the plan over the last few years, even and then up until the internal games that we had at the weekend, which um, acted as a trial match. Um, so, you know, gave an opportunity for the wider squad to to be involved in those games and, you know, to, to perform within our environment. And um, so it'll be interesting to see what the selection, what sort of the selection um, comes down to. Well, I'm sure you'll be very much in the heart of that selection, as always. So I wanted to ask a, a, a nausey commentator type question. I, I think in the Six Nations so far, you know, defensively yeah. been been pretty good and up front been, been pretty good but actually stringing together some rhythm in, in within the back play some actually incisive backline stuff you look for, for Berth and I we've spoken about it b- b- before you know, swapping and changing a 10 and you did it again against against Italy doesn't help your outside backs and getting that rhythm and relationships going is that uh, have we got a point there? Has it been spoken about with within your within your backline within the squad with the coaches? That's a really fair question. Yeah, there, there's certainly a not a challenge. It makes it um, keep showing your toes as as an insider outside centre. You know, in terms of yeah, how you can navigate and support that team that comes in, or um, you know the combinations that are there. But um, yeah, it, it's. Um, it's one of those things, I think, that if there was a time to try different tens, this would be the only time. So in, in fairness for us as players, you know, we have to, we trust the decisions that are made and we, we um, you know, we support it and we make do as best as we can. Um, but absolutely, you're fair to say that in terms of cohesiveness um, from the outside in, um, might be different to what we view internally. 
um, you know, there's certainly some strong work that we do within our own environment. It's just about transferring it to their level of pressure at the international level so that when we're able to execute or deliver on that stage with those combinations. So, yeah, it's a tricky time. It's, a, it's almost like a one, one shot, one kill type thing, isn't it? But, um, yeah, these things are taking time to develop for us. So um, hopefully come December, all of that uh, will pay off. Yeah, and it's a tough to, to get those combinations right, especially when there's hardly any rugby that's being played at the moment. And But, Sene, if, if you don't mind, I'd like us to go back to when we started the Six Nations campaign and just touch on your personal um, story for, for our listeners that don't know when you um, sustained an injury against playing against England, wasn't it, at, um, at Doncaster. And... And the results of your MRI didn't just show maybe some of the injury that you had, but it also shared something else. So Would you mind sharing that with us and and your recovery from that? It's honestly, yeah, uh, like look, so many people went through so much worse. This is just, you know, that's such a sane thing to say. No, I know. It is. It is. Honestly. Like share your story because it is really is inspirational whether you see it like that it genuinely is and, and our listeners would be really appreciative well thanks guys I, um yeah I, I think I'm happy to share it for the intention of what it means in terms of the competition itself so we were into the third game it was against England obviously and Doncaster towards the end of the game there was only like five minutes to go um, of that match and um, suffered a good old-fashioned kind of stinger, you know, on the shoulder, so it was grand. Um, and it took someone strong like scarce to kind of <laughs> run such a, an awesome line. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of a double knock, a stinger, and then, you know, poked my head on one of the second rocks straight away. So from a precautionary point of view, our medics, you know, decided to just, you know, take me in just to get it looked. But um, at the time, you know, it was pretty much just a precautionary scan. Probably looked worse than it was. Um, and then it wasn't until the week later um, that uh, the results came through and then had to get another scan. And um, then, yeah, a couple of weeks later, the doctor rang and, um, yeah, kind of just, you know, asked if I was sitting down and um, just sort of highlighted that um, there was something in the scan that... Um, they wouldn't have found otherwise if I hadn't have got the, the precautionary initial stick scan in the first place. So, yeah, it was um, just something in my in my neck and between my um, two vagus nerves here and my neck on the side, just with the pulses, they found a wee tumour. But it's, um, yeah, it's all gone and, you know, um, thankfully all the experts and amazing consultants and surgeons in the St Vincent's Hospital in Dublin um, in the Department of Vascular Surgery, we're able to, you know, completely excise the, um, the wee thing there in my neck. And, um, yeah, it was just a matter of uh, recovery from the kind of June, July, August period and um, then slowly building up uh, movement and, you know, from a, from a walking to a running and um, a voice-wise, voice you know, building the stamina and from a from a pure respiratory, burning my breathing as well. So it's kind of, I'm not 100% to be honest, but I'm getting there. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting, interesting time, but at the same time, 
Look, honestly, there have been way worse situations with other people um, that maybe don't get heard from their sort of point of view. But um, I suppose it's a it's a an opportunity maybe to just acknowledge uh, the competition itself, the you know the Northern Six Nations and um, how special the community was too. Because after that happened, I um, I was actually I was blown, honestly I was blown away by so many messages from obviously my amazing teammates who are just awesome they're like family here my own teammates but um everyone from you know with the England squad like Amber and Amber Reed and Scares all those girls with you know one of the first girls to message to check if I was okay and the girls from Italy France Wales Scotland everyone was just it was actually yeah you, you probably don't realize or you probably never had those sorts of <clears throat> moments to appreciate that level of uh, community spirit, I reckon, um, and a testament to friendship over rivalry. So that was really cool. I thought it was quite cool as well for the time that we're in with COVID and, you know, the perspective that it gives you and your family and friends at the time. And so, yeah, overall it was it was a, a weird old situation and process, but all of those things, you know, just make it, special and it um, gives you a chance to reflect on why you play rugby and then why it's actually quite a special sport to play. You know, coming back from something like that, trying to obviously get back to full fitness, being able to walk, breathe properly, speak properly. I mean, did you see yourself back in a green shirt uh, you know, a few days after your operation, because I know you as a player, your mindset is unbelievable and your work rate and your work ethic is, you know, unreal and it's untouchable and I could just imagine there would have been some tough days and dark days and, and days that you may not have seen the end I mean can you give us an insight to how your mindset was and because I feel like I know you enough as well to know that you have multiple projects going on and, and did it allow you also a bit of time to to focus in and, and we'll touch on the Sparks program as well to you know so did it give you an opportunity as well to, to focus on some other areas Oh, thanks, Rach. Well, firstly, Jeep, as you say, it's untouched. And look, I'm speaking to you, world champion and 2015s, honestly, your religion. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I suppose it gave me a chance to reset my expectations. You know, like anyone really in these times that we're in, it was about being realistic with certain targets from a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. Yeah, so, yeah, resetting my expectations were things like um, being able to walk up the stairs without having um, a bloody asthma attack, (laughs) those sorts of things. And, you know, so um, I remember Orla Curran, she's she's our ECC. There are ECCs and then there are ECCs. She's unbelievable. MVP for me and I wouldn't have been able to play that game last week if it wasn't for her going over and beyond to actually guide me in those expectations because you've said it there, Rach, like you know me, I'm um, perfectionist as well and just, you know, if I've moved across the world to be away from my family, I'm not doing it for nothing, you know, so it was was really hard for me to not be able to train as hard as I usually could. So, um, yeah, it took a level of resetting my self-awareness from a point that, an achievement to me would be walking 100 metres 
nonstop type thing without um, fully exasperating myself and then building it up and up and up to the to the jogging and then to the running and then to the kind of intensity stuff. Um, so that for me, to be honest, was what I was looking at as opposed to the green jersey. So for me, at this stage of my development as a player, both from a, say, club, provincial, international player, for me, my mindset is, is that we need the best 23 out there for Ireland. And whether that's me or not, we just need the best 23. And so for me, it wasn't about, it's not about me playing in the green. It's about me looking after myself and getting myself in a position where I could help the environment once we're back in camp. Um, and to be honest, that was what my mindset was. Um, <clears throat> So like in fairness, my teammates were unbelievable. And I think, um, and actually, when we came into camp <clears throat> that first week, you know, yeah, chipping away and frustrations for me was is that you guys know I talk so <laughs> love to lose my bloody voice. But from an energy point of view, my voice is also, that's one of my strengths on the pitch. So especially as a centre, you'll know if you're leading the defensive line or if you're 12 or 13, that second playmaker, you need your voice to help call it early and those sorts of things. And, man, it was so frustrating that I couldn't speak very well. Like, I, I physically couldn't talk well or loud at all. Um, so that, for me, was a real challenge. And so it became kind of like, <laughs> kind of sign language, but it was like, a, you know, little things like uh, with the nine, if the wanted to hit me, or ended up being like... <laughs> so kind of like it's funny the made it adapting yeah yeah just became all about adapting you did right but um you can play down your achievement you've just mentioned there the fact sure, that you, you couldn't come up the stairs without having an asthma attack to now playing international level rugby I mean it's unbelievable it says everything about you and um, that myself Johnny and most of our listeners will know about you is that you know, you're definitely somebody that will continue to work hard to, to get yourself right. And when you're right, Sene, you're in that green shirt, whether you're thinking it or not. Um, but no, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and it just it just reminds our listeners, like, yeah, you do go, everybody goes through tough times, but there's always good days and there's ways to come out of it. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, Rachel, can I also say thanks for your, um, you were unbelievable as well through that in terms of your messages and you sent some candles over and cards it's oh that was all they were they all kind of contributed to that kind of healing process so thanks that's that's very nice I mean Beth I get an asthma attack when I walk up the stairs can you send me cards (laughs) and presents please Absolutely not. That's self-injured. <laughs> That's not that. For a slightly different reason. Not sending you a candle, Johnny. Not sending you a candle. <laughs> no, look, Sene, I, if I'm, I hadn't realised just just how how, how sort of bad bad and, and low with it with the energy and, and the struggling you, you were until till 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 now. Um, so to to see you back on the part last week, I mean, my goodness gracious me. There are lots of inspirational bits and pieces going on in the world with the, with all the darkness, but uh, that is a silver lining I'm going to grab hold of for the next uh, four weeks while we go back into lockdown. So, yeah, I, I echo what Bertha said and just massive, massive thanks for for sharing because that is, uh, yeah, truly inspirational. Oh, Johnny, thanks, honestly. I, um, honestly, 
No. Before you try and try and try and out that it's not. It is. Moving on. Um, I really <laughs> have a conversation with you about the, the parks program, the Island of Lords, and I know that you're heavily involved in that. Can you give us an insight? Yes, so we are in the process of um, the review, the post sort of event review. So it was about five, six weeks ago that we had launched the Spark Sessions with Irish Rugby. Um, Their process in itself, to get it to a point where we were able to, you know, have these types of uh, workshops available was, to be honest, will be a bit of a highlight for not just myself, but the team behind the team. So, yeah, so, you know, we had an idea and a concept that we wanted to introduce with Irish Rugby. We're willing to collaborate, and then we ended up, um, you know, being able to roll out four different types of sessions. Um, so what it was, was is that we wanted to assist in the club players. So because the competition wasn't able to be played or it was played later, um, we wanted to have something available that players across the country who aspired to be high-performance players for Ireland, whether it's sevens or fifteens, that they could register and um, receive tools from, you know, a number of different uh, panellists um, and, you know, help bridge their gap towards, um, you know, that, that next level. So, yeah, those four weeks of the Spark sessions was um, was, was really positive. It was, um, we've seen some of the feedback now, so we have a meeting tomorrow about it and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it there from there. But um, as a first initial Spark series program, um, we're really, really happy with how it was delivered and um, executed. I, I think it's such a brilliant program. Uh, I, I hope other countries kind of catch on to it because I just think passing on that experience and that knowledge, you know, we all came through with just go and play, no insight to what high performance is and how to how to get there quicker and how to stay there. So I think it's absolutely wonderful what you're doing along with now the launch of the under-20s programme. You can definitely see that Ireland's direction in women's rugby is going in the right direction. And I think you have played a huge part in that, Sene. Like, unbelievable work that you do behind the scenes for Irish rugby is not just about what you do on the pitch. We've named this episode Episode of Champions. We've got Sarah Beckett, double Grandstand champion, and Kendra, obviously just picked out the Farrell Palm Cup. And you slot into legend on and off the field as well. So um, that's fine. But we should just call it the uh, the Burford Napu self-appreciation episode, actually, <laughs> shouldn't we? Johnny, you're the man, mate. Right? <laughs> on my on my Zoom screen here, I'm in the middle, and it's just this, just compliments, just flying over from each other. It's, we've taken up loads and loads of your time, and um, yeah, I, look, we, I think I think we said everything. With, uh, I certainly, I, I've said everything I, I wanted to to say this morning. And it's just incredible to, to to hear your story and your your journey over the last three or four months. We've all we've all got a a bumpy path we've been going on the last few months, but uh, yours is particularly bumpy, and it's just so so lovely to see you this morning. So great to see you out in the park last week, and uh, all the best for hopefully Six Nations coming up and uh, and those World Cup qualifiers. But yeah, lovely to see you as ever. Oh, Johnny, thanks very much. Can I also just say before I leave, Johnny, you are a legend yourself, but also a massive congratulations to England on the double uh, Grand Slam, backing that up. Honestly, very well deserved and. Just wanted to congratulate England on the win. Unbelievable. What a lovely way to end it. Thank you very much, Sene. Thanks, Sene.
That's about it for this week, Berth. A couple of shout-outs, though, just to finish up. Want to learn RFC Tigers might, and I mean, hopefully they will get to play their first ever fixture, which they will host at the club against Winletton Balkans. Hopefully I've said that right. This Saturday at Pontyland Leisure Centre. Do let us know how you get on um, and hopefully that fixture will take place. If not now, then hopefully it'll be rearranged. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the intentions there, isn't it? You can't do much about a global pandemic. So, uh, yes, fair play to you Pontland and also wanted to just say thank you very much to Chalky J for your review uh, really enjoyed this podcast renowned rugby broadcaster Johnny Hammond in England rugby legend Rachel Burford present a great mix of news great interviews competitions and now even a community corner feature to shout out why the women's game is a must watch and have to follow like women's rugby, it's not just women. All fans of rugby will enjoy this and the game. Listen, rate it five stars and subscribe. Thank you very much, Chalky J. Much appreciate your, your kind words. Yeah, thanks for that, Chalky J. And just to announce our competition winner for those Ida Sports boots and socks. Now, it's a great pleasure to give it to somebody. Drum roll. That has, been, <laughs> that has been nominated by a fellow teammate. And also because... The world we're living in right now, our NHS are doing everything. And so so what a lovely treat for us that Lucy Grantham from Driftfield Ladies has been nominated by Laurie Ferguson, a teammate of her. She works in the NHS and she has just been an absolute rock at the club as well as in the hospital. So congratulations to you, Lucy. You'll be receiving a free pair of female fitted boots and a pair of socks. We also have a couple of runners up. We've got Sabrina at B-R-E-M-C-J-8 and Helena McIntyre and Sally Conyers. We'll be in touch. That's about it for a, another week, Berth, another bumper show. Huge, huge thanks to to Sarah Beckett, double Grand Slam champion, to uh, Kendra Coxage, not only for her fourth successive title and all the drive and, and skill that uh, comes with winning those titles, but also for, uh, for setting the forfeit for you, Berth. Uh, fair play to her for doing that and of course to uh, our very very good friend to Seni Napu thank you to all three of you for coming on the pod and making it such an enjoyable Tuesday for us next week on the pod Berth we're going to be joined by Red Rose Lydia Thompson hopefully and also Lena Corson from France here to look ahead to again very much hopefully